It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 18th of April. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. What a glorious evening it is across the Midlands there. The sun is certainly spitting the rocks. Hopefully you're enjoying that and wherever you are, sitting in a car at football training, coming from work, heading to work or just chilling at home. Glad to have your company for the next hour. Coming up between now and 8pm, Wired for Success, Knowing Me and Understanding You with Theresa Hand Campbell from Total Human Capital Consult Consulting. It is a new monthly feature that we're going to start looking at here on the show and looking at those kind of central things behind building a great business and co-creating a great place to work where everyone has a role. Theresa will join me here in studio at around half past seven this evening. Also, we'll hear from Alison English, the new president of Mullingar Chamber. They're hosting a funding and finance event this Thursday, April the 20th, and with Minister Peter Burke due to be one of the keynote speakers at the event. Alison will have all the details on that a little bit later. Plus, CQMS is Ireland's only construction and quarry machinery show. Brian Coogan of Machinery Movers will have all the details ahead of the event that also takes place in Offaly this weekend. So, lots happening around the Midlands, lots happening in business circles, including the cost of energy. And on Saturday, I was covering Saturday View and I spoke to Colm Wright of Elevate Entertainment in that loan. And Colm had been making the point that more needs to be done for small businesses and particularly for businesses in the hospitality sector. And, you know, this is becoming a huge challenge and I suppose energy is one thing on that. So with me in studio, I have Paul Mahan of Watt Footprint in Mullingar and uh, they're experts in helping businesses reduce their energy bills. We'll come to Paul in just a couple of moments. But first, let's have a listen to what Colm Wright of Elevate had to say. Um, he's also concerned about the growing lack of accommodation in the area. And again, just highlighting the overall challenges presented to businesses in that hospitality sector. We're getting, say, stag, hen and corporate uh, bookings coming into us, they book in with us, and then we find a few weeks later they have to cancel because they cannot get the accommodation in the, the Athlone area or even in the greater Athlone area. It just cannot be got because there's nowhere to put people. So it is it is proven to be a big big problem for for our business. So accommodation was wanting, but what Colin was also highlighting is that the rounds that his business, that they're going to, in order to try to save and conserve some energy, electricity, and try to reduce the monthly bills. Like, they're double or treble what they were when they set up about a year ago. They've even resorted to turning off their fridges at night to try and reduce energy costs. If that's something that you're doing in your business, if that's a kind of a pain that you are feeling too, join the conversation. 083 103 is the text and WhatsApp number. You'll get me here in studio. Delighted to hear your view on that as well because I'm sure many businesses out there are struggling and suffering with the cost of energy. So what can we do in order to try to reduce our energy bills? Can it be done? I guess as part of that interview as well on Saturday, Colm also spoke about the the profits that the big energy providers are currently recording and he noted that whilst the price went up very quickly, 
it's certainly taking a lot longer for it to come back down if even for it to budge and come back down at all. So again, concerning times for businesses. But as I mentioned, Paul Mahan is the co-founder of What, what Footprint based in Mullingaris. Their tagline is quite simple. It says they help businesses reduce energy bills. Paul, very good evening and welcome to Taking Care of Business. Good evening, Ron. Delighted to be here. Paul, highly, highly topical mm. uh, thing to discuss for any business as well. Take us through the business. How did it come about first? Yeah, and I'm probably just touching on, on, on that interview there, I think. There's a number of reasons, really, I suppose, why the business set up, but really it, is, it was the cut energy costs for businesses. And as you say yourself, it's timely with, with, with massive increases across the board for small to medium businesses. Um, and for us, there was a genuine frustration, I think, on, on action for, for those businesses of actually how do you actually go to, to reduce those, those bills. There's a lot of talk, I suppose, about what you can do and what you can't do. And what we wanted to do was actually to deliver on it. And I think for, for any business that... Your small business don't really know how to go tackling that the energy costs and the first thing that we want to do is it's like spending 10,000 euro out of your own bank account at the end of the month the first thing that you're going to do is look you know where do we actually spend it and business and people don't look at energy in the same kind of aspect and what we wanted to do was firstly to visualize where that cost is going within business and have a data-driven informed decision to be made on an investment for those businesses if they're going to invest money that they're going to get the return on investment back on that and what we wanted to offer was a turnkey solution on that to advise what the right solutions are going to be, help to, to secure any kind of grant funding or finance that's available to deliver that, to, return, to reduce return investment, and then to fully deliver um, the savings as well. And through that, we've developed our own proprietary software as well, which helps us to manage the energy bills, energy usage, um, and, and a support team as well to help the businesses. Are there any businesses, type, business types or sectors that you target in particular? Yeah, I, I, it's probably our target market really. Like when we look at the large, um, I suppose the large business, they a lot of the times they have in-house teams with a lot of support there. But it's a small to medium business, and I genuinely think there is a massive gap in Ireland for support to small to medium businesses. And that is the the year that we were looking at. So we look, we work a lot actually on the hospitality side of the. Obviously, we work with over thirty hotels in the country at the minute, with with at least fifty percent redu- reduction in their energy usage. Um, and even more on their energy costs because of the cost has gone through the roof. One example, we had a hotel spending a quarter of a million on energy in 2019 and without using any more energy, it increased to 850,000, um, you know, which is a massive hit to the bottom line as well, you know. I'm going to take you back to that. 50% energy yeah. reduction. Yeah. So is that just, that's obviously just wastage or is it just better practice? How do you, how do you, that's staggering. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix to be honest with you in the sense that um, the first thing that a lot of business would look at is, is the renewable element in terms of the PV, which is quite buzzwordy at the minute in terms of what we do. But we would look at it, if you can reduce your consumption firstly by, say, if it's only 20%, if you're adding on 20% of solar, you reduce by 40%. So it's to try and cut out the waste that you have within the business first. And that's a difficult thing to do if you're a, a business owner, a hotelier, or whoever it is, trying to understand how do you actually go and tackle that. Like, I think we, we spoke earlier in terms of, you know, switching off fridges, switching off this. You don't know what difference that's going to make. So what we try to do is to give that information firstly um, to make it clear on where that energy is going. And then to have the tools um, and the support to actually go and deliver those savings, and that's that's I suppose where we kind of come from, you know. I suppose in order then to to be to be able to see that, to monitor that, and control it, then you have to get in initially. What do an energy audit and really yeah. determine where energy is being used when it's not used as well? Like, you know, how do you how do you go about I suppose gathering that data in the first instance? Yeah. So initially, if we, we were un- undertaking an energy audit, we try to reduce the cost as much as possible for the client to do that, and that is a to look at all of the systems that are in place to evaluate those and what the optimum solutions would be to, to if, if it is in capital investment. A lot of the savings we actually make is from smart energy management. So it's installing energy meters after the energy audit and then we bring a proposal that works basically to the client 
we, we would look at trying to finance as much of that as possible through capital grant funding and then we fully deliver it as well, which is a turnkey. So it's taken a lot of the, I suppose, the strain away from the small and medium business because, as I say, they don't have that in-house expertise to deliver on it, you know. When you go approach a premises or a facility belonging to mm-hmm. a company, are there a number of kind of big hitter items that you instantly look for and say these are potentially huge energy usage mm-hmm. or is there always something on each site that really throws up this huge anomaly that maybe nobody's ever spotted before? Yeah, I, I think probably what's, what's, what's kind of changed a lot in the last kind of, I suppose, last year, year and a half is the increase in the likes of the gas prices and that. Like gas used to be at a very, very low rate and it's increased massively. Like we have one client and they were paying four cent per kilowatt hour of gas. That's increased to 21 cent per kilowatt hour of gas. So those type of areas and like probably large users a lot on the heating side to control systems, stuff like that in terms of we try to get in behind that and make big, that's where we make a lot of our savings. Like one of our clients there, which was the Mullingar Park Hotel, we would have cut their uh, gas bill in half basically just from efficiencies that we were able to bring through for them, you know. Yeah, I'm sure uh, people listening are kind of sitting up going, right, he's talking a lot of huge reductions here in this. Mm. And uh, certainly given the last couple of years, um, would be uh, a lot of food for thought here for a lot of business owners on it. Um, your own team then, you've mentioned like you've got energy engineers, energy mm. auditors as well, and you've developed software from this as well. So you've, yeah. you've, you've added that kind of technical expertise, the kind of the software into the business too. Did, was that almost was that something you were always looking at doing in the software development or is it something that kind of came as, as an add-on to your existing service? No, it would have been initially from the start because, uh, like I kind of said, it, it's a minefield, I think, at the minute with all new technologies, heat pumps, every sort of a technology that's out there. And for people to actually know how is that actually going to make a difference to their business, what we wanted to do was to get all of the ingredients together basically into a, a proprietary system that basically then we can support our businesses on. So that is looking at you know, our system would allow us to, to automatically read the likes of your energy bills, set monthly targets on that, reduction targets. We would, full, we would supply energy metering for the businesses as well, pulling that metering data, comparing it against your energy bills. We also do like full 3D modelling of our sites as well. And with that then, that information is only as good as, as you act upon it. And what we have is we have a highly trained, we have our own training academy in-house and within the, within the company as well. The trains our engineers to think differently, to think in terms of cutting costs for the businesses. And using that software and using that data and then having our team to deliver those savings is really, I think, making a massive difference. It's action upon. It's, not, it's, it's, it's allowing the business to make an informed decision because it's informed on data. And is there, there's a continuous support element to yeah. the business then alongside that. Yeah. And one of the key things yet that we wanted to do was to have that service at a price point that is affordable to small to medium businesses. And the way we worked that is across a subscription service where it's at a price point that small to medium businesses can afford. And they're getting that massive... I suppose, back and of all of the software, the team and the knowledge behind that at a point that they can actually, you know, make, make viable for themselves as well. Very basic question, but can any business reduce their energy usage? Definitely. I think, I think no matter what business you look at, that there's always inefficiencies in the business. You know, when, when, you leave, when, when human error can kind of come into things, there's always going to be um, inefficiencies in there. And the thing that we say is to try and get that as, as low as possible and then you're bringing in the likes of renewables and everything like that. And what we would do is, a lot of our sites that we're doing is, is, is holistic views at those and holistic upgrades. But again, it's, it's, it's the, like the return on investment of most of our upgrades are probably less than, within two to three years. You know, and, and like they can go from large figures right down to small. But that is the aim that we try to hit. So when, you're, when, the, when the company is, is, is putting up that investment, that is actually going to make the return for them as well. And that's massively important because at the end of the day, 
the energy costs are going so high, but if you're going to spend the money, you want to see it back, you know. And would that investment also include like your, the actual solar panels with that as well? Yeah. Or is that just, yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's low enough in terms of because, you know, in some instances you hear of solar panels taking a, an awful lot longer, maybe seven, eight, even nine, ten years to give that full return. Yeah. And they've come back right down. Like if you think if you had solar panels a couple of years ago, say they were, say, four or five years, straight away with the energy costs increase, they've dropped. You know, they cut in half because the energy price has doubled as well. But what we do then is because we're, we're doing holistic upgrades, we're bringing in grant funding then on top of that as well, which helps to reduce that return on investment. So if you're cutting it out maybe 30 40% even in some cases, we have one hotel which secured almost a 50% grant um, for the capital cost. Of, so that was for a retrofit of the heating system, solar PV, control systems, air conditioning and everything going into that hotel as well. So the return on that was even less than two years. Yeah, that's impressive figures too. Um, I asked, but can any business basically reduce their energy usage? When it comes to looking then at a business and the actual the physical buildings, you know, when we hear so much now about retrofitting houses and stuff like that as well, surely there's a lot of old hotel structures, a lot of mm. old industrial buildings there too. Um, is there ever a point where some of those buildings are, are almost a write-off or is there always something can be achieved? Like some of them that are built 30, 40 years ago probably have little or no insulation in the floors, mm. single skin cladding as well. Like is there a point where you kind of go, well, it's not going to be viable to look at all, at doing all this within your business? I think the viability really comes down to the investment side. For Like you will always, so one of the things that we do is, is we build almost what's called a digital twin um, of the building. So basically we would, we would pull all of the, the maps, the drawings, everything down. We basically build this digital twin and we can run the systems that are in that. Um, so say you have an oil boiler at the minute, we're able to get that within to less than 2% of what the actual usage has been in the building. And then we can sub in the likes of your heat pump systems or wherever it's going to be. And we can see what the difference is actually going to make. And there's one example I have in my head was um, where we submitted the heat pump, which was 35% reduction on the heating costs. And if we'd done the insulation, which was a you know almost a five-story hotel, basically the, the actual increase in that was another 5% on top of the 30. So the problem there is the massive investment that was going into the insulation, just the payback was long on it. So it's really, the saving is there, but it's just the length of time on the investment. So it's, I think it's about for businesses, that's what I say, that we're giving them the most informed decision to make, that you're not spending all this money and you're not going to get it back. So it's important of, of hitting the sustainability side, but also the, like the, the return on investment for the clients too. You know, yeah, I was actually at a, an event there about three weeks ago and, and the central team of it was sustainability and what businesses were doing. And actually there was five local businesses that spoke at it. And actually you could you could get senses of what you just said there that a lot of times people may have gone and they did, they did what they thought was mm. probably the best thing to do. And, and yes, it makes a difference, but maybe a huge investment goes into maybe one element or one area where actually you need to see the entire picture. So... Creating a digital twin of a of a business or a building is a quite an interesting way of doing that, and it's yeah. kind of almost it, it's showing you exactly what you have that point in time. So look at it. Sounds like you know like that. You've got a big team behind you at Watt Footprint as well. Yeah. Things are growing quickly for the last couple of years. How many have you at the minute? We're seventeen at the minute. So I suppose we established at the end of just at the tail end of twenty twenty, um, and we've grown to seventeen this year. And our plans are thirty by the end of twenty twenty three. Um, so um, we have an internationalisation side in terms of what we're doing now as well so it's grown quite quickly um, which is great um, and I think it's a testament to the team that we have in place um, I think it's a testament of the, of the training of those engineers as well that you know I think there was a massive part for us was to have that train academy that our engineers are trained in, in the what footprint way um, in terms of what we're trying to do so it's um, Look, it's been great so far um, you know, and we're looking forward to the future as well Are there currently jobs available? There is, yeah. Um, they'll be on our on our social media pages there. Um, you know, across a number of sectors, across en- engineering, um, you know, sales development, everything. Like, there's a number of different jobs available there. So, yeah, if we're on a 
a good recruitment drive at the minute. Um, you mentioned that kind of almost that internationalisation piece as well. Mm. Regarding the software developing, like have you, are you the owners of the IP around that as yeah. well? That that's a that's an additional product and asset to the company that you're you're developing too. Massive, yeah. And I think, and the reason why I think that it, that is so scalable for us is, is that energy, no matter where you are in the world, it speaks the same language. A kilowatt in Ireland is a kilowatt in you know in the Middle East or wherever it's going to be, and. I think with the way the world is at the minute, um, you know, the energy crisis is, and like that crisis is going to go away, but it's the only, for me, it's the only um, industry in the world that has 2030 and 2050 legal targets as well. And with businesses, with the likes of the gas, with carbon taxes hitting, all these prices are going to go up and continue to go up. So um, for us, I think the model that we're working will allow us to, you know, to work anywhere, you know. Interesting, yeah. And it's a it's a, a very simple and a beautiful way of putting it as well. Like yeah, kilowatt's a kilowatt in any language too. Yeah. But the great work that you're doing though, um, is being recognised as well. You were the recent winners of the Westmead Enterprise Award for twenty twenty three and you go on now to represent the county on the first of June at the national finals. Uh, mm-hmm. nice to get a bit of recognition, I'd say. Yeah, it was great. Look, we were delighted. Um and as I said, look, we've uh, again it's a testament to, to the team that we have and the work, the projects that we've delivered over the over the over the last two years and it was, um, you know, it was great. We were, we're hoping that we can uh, obviously do Westmead proud now in uh, in June, you know. Yeah, well, and for, for, excuse the pun, but um, there's a big footprint gone ahead of you as well <laughs> with companies like Bevcraft too. Like, yeah. I mean, there's some outstanding companies coming out of Westmead as well. And uh, again, the Enterprise Office, I know, probably great promoters of your own business too and great at driving you forward for the push for those awards too. Although it sounds like you know exactly where you're going anyway and it's a, it's a great story. And uh, Paul, thank you so much for coming in. I think listeners will have so many little hints and, and food for thought and that. Um, particularly looking at, at how you can go about achieving significant energy reductions and therefore you know builds well actually on that do you foresee prices coming down quickly again or is it going to be one of these things that they're just going to try and keep them there as high as they can seeing as businesses are continuing to operate as as they have been yeah and I, I can just listen to, to, to that interview that you played I think it's like anything when things go up they're never going to come back down to, to where they were and I think without going too technical about it the way that you look at the energy prices is what's called on the wholesale market, and you almost look 12 months in advance. So what the wholesale price is now, you nearly look at, for the consumer what that's going to look in 12 months' time. And if you look back to last year, you can see that was a little bit lower, and that's why the consumer was seeing a drop now. But I foresee that there is, they're never going to come back to where they were, and with the likes of the carbon increase and everything, even just with the energy crisis, there's a number of reasons why they're going up. So I think the price, they're still going to be very, very high for the foreseeable future that I can see. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of from what, from what we're seeing at the minute, you know. This afternoon, it's been kind of widely reported that there's expectations that there'll be about a 10 billion, at least, of an excess in the Exchequer funds for next mm. year. Now, I doubt the government are going to turn around and say they're going to give all that money directly to businesses, like, you know, like of Elevate, who said, you know, more needs to be done for businesses. Mm. But um, are we going to see, do you think, like a mass, like a huge increase maybe in the amount of grants available for businesses and homes to retrofit, to get heat pumps, to get solar panels? Do you think will it be, would some of it be given back or should it be given back in that manner? Oh, ma- massively should. Like, as I said at the start, there, and I think your caller is right, there is a massive gap for, for small to medium business. I think supports there in terms of that. And I think the level there will be a, s- a significant level of funding available for, for businesses for grants. But I think those grants will be very, very targeted they're going to be targeted at trying to reduce that fossil fuel status. So the likes of the solar PV, my kind of thoughts on that really is that it's going to, um, they're kind of seeing that as a win on its own, purely with the prices that they are. So it's really going to be intensive to try and reduce those. So it's about, I think if you look at it in a holistic sense, as we say, that's when you target the, the grants and that's how it, you know you secure them, you know. 
Anyway, plenty, plenty, plenty of food for Todd, as I say, and as I come, Paul Mahan of Watt Footprint, thank you so much for coming over this evening and all the very best, both with the business and indeed at the National Enterprise Awards on the 1st of June. Brilliant, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Time for a quick break here on Taking Care of Business. After that, we'll find out about CQMS. It's Ireland's only quarry and machinery show. It takes place in Tullamore this coming weekend. And after that, then we'll have to be joined by Theresa Han Campbell of THC Consulting. And we'll look at that whole area of organisation development and basically how you can wire your key people for success within your business. So lots to come here on Taking Care of Business. Talk to you shortly. Taking Care of Business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Lots to come here on Taking Care of Business this evening, including Theresa Han Campbell from THC Consulting. And I'll be finding out about an event taking place later this week. Um, it's been organised by Mullingar Chamber, and it's all around funding and finance for your business. Again, kind of key central topic of this evening's show, and certainly something that business businesses and business organisations in the Midlands are putting a focus on too. A little uh, details of a Building Better Business event that takes place in Leash later this month, a little bit later in this show too. But before that, there's another event taking place in Tullamore this coming weekend on the 21st and 22nd of April. It is the Construction and Quarry Machinery Show. It's actually Ireland's only Construction and Quarry Machinery Show. It's organised by Machinery Movers. I'm glad to be joined by MD Brian Coogan now. Um, very good evening, Brian. Hello there, how are you? Brian, you've, uh, com- you're coming back to Tullamore again with your CQMS show. Tell us who is it aimed at and what might people expect to see at it? Yeah, look, we're d- d- delighted to be back now again in Tullamore. It's becoming a permanent fixture. Every two years we rock up to the quarry, Malloy's um, Quarry and Tenny Cross there, and uh, we bring millions and millions of euros worth of construction and quarry plant equipment um, to the quarry and uh, we put up uh, you know live demonstrations of the plant like the best way I suppose to sell equipment to any end users to show it to them when it's working in a live demonstration so the show I suppose is uh, I suppose geared towards uh, people who have an interest and um, of purchasing construction and quarry plant equipment related service tires trucks you name it it's all there it's like one big shopping mall for those that are in the business of buying machinery the quarrying sector is probably in some ways often forgotten when when the construction sector is spoken about. Like, you know, we think of all the raw materials it produces and in order to, you know, fulfil our national development plan and build all those housing units people are looking out for. So very much a vibrant sector. Very much so. And like often quarries, I, I suppose, all around the country, they, 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 they get a bad press. But the reality is the homes we live in, the roads we drive on, all the materials, all the agrees that's in those roads and houses comes from the quarry and that's where a lot of construction starts from and um, it's a big investment for any quarry uh, you know you, you 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 crush that stone down into into a product that builds your house or uh, you know builds your road that you're driving but it all starts in the quarry and of course Ireland would be well known globally too as as a for for its engineering in terms of quarry plant and and manufacturing equipment too and exports right across the world and I suppose that'll be on display there um in terms of innovations, what are we looking at what might be new this year like are are you know companies looking at things like h v o for trucks or like electric versions of quarry plant like what are we likely to see on display in Tullamore this weekend? Yeah, look, you know, well, I suppose with the electric side of things, you know, that is on its way, and to a certain degree, it, it, it's already already has made its presence known in with, with construction machinery, albeit on the smaller side of things. For bigger machines like quarry plants, trucks, 
70 ton excavators, I think we're a long, long way um, from battery-powered equipment, and uh, it'll still be primarily fossil fuel that will drive that plant. Um, look, and I don't know if, 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 if your listeners would know this, but most of the crushing and screening and recycling plants uh, that are produced from quarries and recycling facilities are actually manufactured in the island of Ireland. And uh, we did a study there a few years back where 65% of the world's constru- uh, quarry plant equipment is produced on the island of Ireland. And indeed, there are a couple of well-known companies in Tullamore, the likes of CQ, EMS, and um, Airtech, run by Sean Toomey. Um, uh, these companies, you know, you would very easily drive by them, but they make absolutely unbelievable equipment and plants um, you know, and like for example, AirTech there, who exhibited our show there um, on a regular basis, they will be producing plants for quarries up and down the country. But you could be talking in the, in the realm of a million euros of an investment by a quarry, and Sean Toomey will build that plant for you. And um, so, like the stuff that we make, and like Ireland, I suppose, is full of engineering and manufacturing um, companies, you know, buried in the side roads and uh, um, off roads are all around the country and uh, they're producing great stuff and like you, you, you might be household names but they'd be selling these products not just in Ireland but all over the world you know, 65% of, of, of the quarry equipment globally coming from Ireland is, is amazing statistics too and it was you only think it about the amount, sure. of, the amount of employment that, that creates then and the offshoots and support services there too but anyway this event that's coming up on the 21st and 22nd of April in Malloy's Quarry um, how can people find out more and indeed go about registering for it? Yeah so there are a couple of options so you can come up you can pay at the gate and just take out your uh, card and you can uh, tap the screen and in you go or you can go onto Eventbrite and search for CQMS and um, uh, look for the event Eventbrite and purchase your ticket that way. And it's uh, open all day, both days? Both days. Uh, Friday, 8 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock, and then Saturday, 9 o'clock in the morning until 5 or 6 o'clock. I, like, Irish people, when they go to shows, um, it's a bit like the pub. You know, you have to push <laughs> them out because we, we have a great passion for machinery and we all love diggers and uh, dozers and all of that. So, yeah, but look, nine to, uh, 8 to 6 on the first day, Friday, and 9 to 6 then on Saturday. Okay. Brian Coogan, Managing Director of Machinery Movers, thank you so much for that this evening and all the best with this uh, with the 2023 version of CQMS. Thank you very much. And that's Brian there speaking about the event that's taking place in Malai's Quarry this weekend. Uh, he's wondering how you can register for that, how you can go along and kind of given a nice snapshot of what you might expect to see there and also given a nice overview of the, the scale and indeed the importance of the construction or the quarrying sector and particularly from a manufacturing and engineering perspective within this country as well. I certainly think we accounted for 65% of the equipment in quarries globally. Staggering stuff. But look, it goes to, goes like I always keep saying here on Taking Care of Business. There's some fantastic companies and amazing stuff happening right across the Midlands. And Brian has just confirmed that there for us yet again. Time for a quick break now. After that, we'll hear about an event that's taking place in Mullingar later this week. And also we're going to delve into that whole area of organisational psychology and how you can go about creating that you know, high-performing, fantastic 
organization that's going to bring you to the stars and back. Someone like what footprint that we're on just a little bit earlier, those great companies that I see exist around this great Midlands we live in. Talk to you in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come, Alison English, the president of Mullingar Chamber, will give us a quick overview of a funding and finance event that they've organised for this Thursday in Mullingar. And again, very topical and very important. If you are a business owner around the area, you can stay tuned and find out how you can get involved or indeed head to that event a little bit later on the show. But first, I'd like to introduce to you uh, Theresa Hand Campbell. She's director of Total Human Capital Consultancy Limited. And Theresa is going to pop into studio once a month for the next five or six months. And we're going to look at a range of things, all kind of centred around the idea of co-creating a great place to work and everyone has a role within that. So we're going to examine the business, the human aspect of of your organisation. We will touch on things like leadership, career progression, change management, recruitment and retention, in-house talent auditing, training, uh, teamwork psychometrics and an awful lot more in between. Diversity and inclusion, emotional intelligence, resilience, you name it, we're going to cover it over the next couple of months here on Taking Care of Business. So without further ado, Teresa, you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business this evening. Thank you very much, Ron, and thank Teresa, you for having me. you sent me a huge list of topics, all of which I know are entirely very, very relevant for any business mm-hmm. out there. We're going to start this month looking at Gen Z and the modern workplace too, because one thing we know is change is ever present. And Mm -hmm. you are a workplace and leadership architect. So this is something I guess is going to be right up your alley. Let's start there. Gen Z, who are they and why should we be concerned or why should we have them in our thoughts? Well, Gen Z, are they the the, the youngsters, the onboarding uh, uh, who are coming into the workplace and they hit bang on there with the COVID and they're entering in the post-COVID world. And they have obviously discovered themselves during the the lockdowns, etc. And and they have come away with a different type of uh, view of the workplace. McKinsey and Company in 2022 undertook a massive uh, research piece there. And they came away with the figure of 40% of Gen Z globally are on the move. They're not going to return to the workplace that they were in pre-COVID. Reshuffling, 48%. Reinventing, 47%. So the majority of people who quit their jobs in the past two years will not return to the job. Mobility between industries is high. Employers competing not only within their industry, but across industries for the top talent. And there's less stigma now. For, uh, around the area of moving and having a colourful CV. But, you know, the, the younger generation, especially those in the 21 to 38-year-old age bracket, they're more likely to come from more diverse uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds. And they say in a DDI report uh, in 2021, they say they need feedback from their employer. They need opportunities to develop their emotional intelligence. They need diversity and inclusion. And they would observe that there's a lot of bias when it comes around that in, 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 their, in their experience in the workplace. They want empathy. They want clarity around what's expected of them. And they want flexible work arrangements. And they want room to develop and grow. So that's not too much to ask. No, it's, it? a, it's a relatively <laughs> short list as well. So I'm an F, if I'm an SME owner sitting listening to this right now and I just go, oh, here we go again, these bloody Gen Zers, my business can't do that. 
you're going to counter-argue that and say, yes, any business can have itself, you know, have the environment that will allow, you know, Gen Zs to fit in. And, and I suppose this is all part of that whole thing of retaining talent. It is, of course. It's, I suppose it's spotting the talent and onboarding the talent first and then learning how to be at ease with that talent. And I think for a leader to, to lead with heart and soul and to lead with that empathy and with understanding so that autocratic pace setting and commanding leadership no longer works. And remember with Gen Z, you've got a different uh, breed of worker coming on board. They're, they're highly mobile, they're highly innovative, they're completely uh, computer literate and, uh, you know, they, they think differently. I would argue that the wiring of the brain has taken a different twist entirely. So the traditional wiring of the brain for retention of knowledge, etc., has shifted. By its nature, in IT, there's a lot of stuff available at fingertips now. So there's an argument there, is it making us lazy in ways? But uh, it seems to be without boundary what that uh, imagination of the Gen Gen Z candidate uh, operates in that type of of, uh, position. But the McKinsey report cited the whole notion of the, why there were levels of attrition post-COVID. And they, they got about six pointers on that. And they said the lack of advancement and development opportunities really came to the fore for this Gen Z when they were working from home, etc. Uncaring and uninspiring leaders, you see, turn them off, they want to move. Unsustainable work exp- expectations, Lack of workplace flexibility. I suppose the notion of being flexible and that hence at the hybrid workplace, doesn't it? You know, being able to work from home some days, being able to call into the office other days or for the back, backpacker who takes the laptop and puts it in the backpack and heads off the digital nomad. So it's all hinting at the globalisation of the world, isn't it? You know, the global village. So basically none of our employees are going to stay. They're all going to leave. <laughs> I heard it put at a conference about like seven or eight years ago that it said, you know, you shouldn't be focused on managing Gen Z. You should be more thinking about how they're going to manage you because Absolutely. they're they're maturing. They're at that age now where they will be taking management roles. So this way of life, this way of working, whether you agree or disagree, is pretty much here to stay. So let's take this back down to an organisational level. How do businesses, say an SME, how does it look at ensuring that it's ticking those boxes? I suppose, which are the most important boxes and what steps should we take to kind of start, you know, making sure we're doing this from now to ensure that we can retain those key people that we have? It's ensuring, it's creating opportunity for them, creating opportunity. And that whole thing of the psychological contract that starts at the time of interview Developing it, developing developing it based on trust, and the you know the distributed leadership model, top down, distributing the leadership, but matching the talent to the task, identifying the talent and growing it. So that whole idea of growing your succession pipeline from within is beginning to take root, and there's a there's a there's a lot of a lot to be said for it. The if you have somebody who has settled into a company who's dedicated, loyal, who feels that they're being challenged and that they're growing and there's opportunity there, those people know the culture of the organization. They have a passion and sometimes they're overlooked when it comes to uh, the leadership roles. So it's about getting them ready 
to possibly take leadership roles uh, to another, even to another level within the organisation. Sounds like a challenge. Challenge. It's about open-mindedness. It's Mm -hmm. about trust, as I say. It's about having a good vision and purpose. And the vision, I argue, for any company, there is no point in um, uh, the senior team writing the vision. I believe the vision must be written and owned by the workers. And if it is then, and the mission statement is the talking of that walk towards a getting the vision, achieving the vision, then if it's owned by the workers, they'll put their back into it. It's about, I suppose, appreciating as well. We've always heard, heard of the, uh, the one of the, of the, the, the workers who uh, the productivity levels went down. The Hawthorne studies, productivity levels in GE Electric went down through the floor and they wondered what was going on. Was it the working, was it the ergonomics of the workspace? What was it? So they took a group out and put them in a lovely space, watched them doing their work, interacted with them, praised them, thanked them, all the rest, and productivity levels went up. So then they replaced them back down on the factory floor and the levels continued and those working closest to them physically on the on the factory floor were also positively infected by the buzz. So the, the, the conclusion is we all need micro-recognitions. We all need the bit of praise. We all need to feel we're included in the decision-making process, etc. And it's amazing what it does for the enthusiasm and for the whole level of self-efficacy. If a worker has low self-efficacy, it will translate into how they work, how they impact others around them, and how they view their possibilities in life in that workspace. Fascinating. Other factors we have to look at within the workplace too, the good old-fashioned yin and yang, males and females working together. Are we best when we collaborate on a complementary footing as opposed to always competing. Now, that's mm. an interesting one. Is I that something that I actually has... wrote an article on that okay. for Brains magazine and a Swedish magazine uh, in the recent past. I argue that we're meant to coll- collaborate and we're meant, meant to work together. But there's the yin and yang within each one of us. But in order to get that balance right in the boardroom and throughout the workspace, I believe we need to, uh, we complement. I think the male complements the female and the female has an eye for detail in certain areas and maybe an emotionality that the uh, male tapers back but there's certainly a space there for complimenting as opposed to uh, it being an aggressive type of competing but no doubt the glass ceiling does exist and by our nature women reach a point in their lives maybe with families etc that work may not be it has to take a little bit of a backseater at a at, at stage. But maybe workplaces need to work on allowing for that and uh, making provision for that and not letting it impact that pathway to sitting in the boardroom as well. But that's an interesting idea that work needs to take a backseat at certain stages. That in itself is kind of a loaded statement because mm. should work always be our priority? And I suppose that leads to the whole area of almost that work-life integration. And mm-hmm. we hear it, you know, sometimes work-life balance, this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. What's the latest on it like? You know, is it is work-life integration the modern term? Is the modern term. And I, uh-huh. Is it achievable? When I first heard work-life integration, I go, oh, that means you're turned on 24-7 you're working the whole time. But in actual fact, if you think of it, work-life balance 
suggests a competition between work and life. You picture the balance in front of you, and I would say certainly post-2008, work was winning the whole way because people were doing everything in their power to hold on to work and to create new opportunities. But particularly during COVID, I think the male in particular who suddenly found himself working from the kitchen table or from an office off the, the, the sitting room suddenly saw what he was missing from the family uh, life and the, and the, and the, and the children and the, the the whole interaction etc so it caused a lot of rethink how i put too much emphasis on work they always say that never anybody on their dying bed they never say i wish i spent more time at work very often they bemoan the fact that they didn't get to know their children their children were suddenly grown up when they were ready to maybe be at home more so i think there has been a very good positive spin-off from that time at home. It caused people to reevaluate. So in integrating, it demands time management. It demands that you there is an actual closure at the end of the workday. So if you're working from home, make sure it's not in your sleeping space or in your living space. Make sure it's a room off that you can actually lock and walk away from and discipline yourself. So there are four pillars in life. There's your home life, there's your work life, there's your community and social interaction, but there's also your me time for self-development. And I would hazard a guess that work was winning out until COVID happened. I'd say for a lot of people, if they took those four points and even just reevaluate them kind of in a post-COVID world, because mm-hmm. there's possibly one or two maybe that have, have almost dropped off. Even the community piece could be sure. one that people haven't gone. Teresa, would you believe, unfortunately, done with time management, we're, we're actually out of time at the minute, such has wow. been the conversation. But I think you're leading us nicely into the next one. I think we will look at that whole idea, area of company culture and you know the, the seismic change that has been trusted sure. upon both organisations and individuals. Sure. But for now, Teresa. Brilliant. I, thank you that so was much. lovely. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Teresa okay. Hannah Campbell is the Workplace and Leadership Architect at THC Consulting Limited. That's Total Human Capital based on that loan. And uh, Teresa will be back in about four weeks' time, and we'll continue this conversation. Indeed, we'll continue to do so over the next couple of months. Short break now. After that, I'll to give you some information on a funding and finance event taking place later this week in Mullingar. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly, and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business you know when you're just a great service from somebody no matter what business they're in and you don't think there's a way you can actually get them acknowledged and rewarded well nominations are open for the Midlands 103 Customer Service Awards 2023 in association with All Pro Recruitment and supported by Leash and Offaly County Councils categories across so many areas you could nominate your bakery of the year, your best farming contractor, best builder of the year, car dealership of the year, insurance broker of the year, huge range of categories there, midlands103.com. Time is running out. Get your nominations in because if you don't, nobody else will. You know, if you're thinking somebody should nominate that person or that business, well, it needs to be you. Go and do it now, midlands103.com. Click on the link. Before I finish up this evening, I just want to draw your attention to an event that's taken place in Mullingar later this week. It's a funding and finance and it's been hosted by Mullingar our chamber. I'd be joined now by its new president, Alison English. A very good evening, Alison, and congratulations, I guess, on the new role. Good evening, Ronan. Thanks very much. I really appreciate that. Um, yes, the, the, the funding and finance event that we have on Thursday, really looking forward to it. Um, it promises to be a fantastic event. Um, what I suppose the thinking behind it, I guess it's an area a lot of businesses coming out of that kind of COVID area, looking at rising operating costs and also maybe looking at expanding as well. You felt it was an area that you needed to bring this event together. Who's going to be speaking on the day? 
So we have some some fantastic speakers joining us on the day, Ronan. Um, we're actually going to start off um, first thing in the morning with an opening address from Minister Peter Burke. And then that's followed by uh, representatives from Westmead Local Enterprise, uh, Microfinance Ireland, Intertrade Ireland, uh, BDO, who are based in Dublin, um, exporters, uh, Bank of Ireland, T- uh, Permanent TSB, Cathy Moran from Intrio, um, and with a, a few others uh, who are actually sponsoring some of the tables that we can get one-to-one talks with uh, the people who attend. And you get quite a diverse range of speakers there too. In terms of registering and attending, is it open to anybody to attend? It's open to anyone who, who wishes to attend. Um, obviously, uh, members of the chamber will be free of charge and non-members then will be €30 Euros each. And they can register um, their place at mullingarchamber.ie forward slash events forward slash funding and finance event. Fantastic. Yeah, so again, such a such an important area for build, for people as well. So it's in the sturdy pack building on the Dublin Road in Mullingar from nine thirty to one pm as well. Um, sounds sounds fascinating as well. And uh, you're you're certainly hitting the ground running with your new role. Yes, well, we're certainly trying our best. Uh, we want to be be able to bring something to the members this year. Um, look at what's of value to the members. Get some feedback and get their say. Get them involved in the conversation as to what they want from a chamber. Absolutely, and I look forward to maybe divulging or getting into that in a lot more detail with you in the coming months on the show too. But for now, Alison, all the best with the new role and all the very best with that event, Funding and Finance, taking place next Thursday. Thanks again, Ronan, I much appreciated. And that's it, you know, that's what your business organisations, they're out there trying to get you this key information that you need in order to you know, sustain your business, grow your business, create new markets, meet new people as well. And, and as Teresa Han Campbell spoke about, they're almost that community and that, that piece of getting back out to meet people again and, and meeting businesses that are going through similar challenges or have similar you know, questions and queries around growing the business or exporting, whatever it might be. Well, Mullingar Chamber then, that event coming up this Thursday. Uh, 20th of April, 9am, 9.30 to 1pm, the Sturry Pack Building, Dublin Road, Mullingar, mullingarchamber.ie for more information. And uh, that is it. That's all the information I have for this evening. Joe Cooney is waiting in the wings, ready to come in and play the very best of Irish and American country music on country roads after the news at 8 o'clock. Uh, I'll be back with you next Tuesday evening with even more interesting and important business news content from around the Midlands. Stay safe, enjoy the sunshine. Talk to you all then. Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.